I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I've preached a lot of thanksgivings, so, and I hate doing reruns. So uh, m- most of you I know, and I've preached to before, so I'm going to skip a whole bunch of sermons that are really good sermons, but that I, we've done them. I, I'm not going to hammer on about how we need to be thankful in our lives and remember all the blessings that God has given us because, yes, that's the topic of today, but that's why you're here. I don't need to tell you that. You know that we all need to be a little more thankful in our lives. So I'm going to be focusing today on a very tight little nuance about the relationship between the Deuteronomy reading and the Gospel reading, where you have this this starting point, which I take for granted, which is the Deuteronomy reading that sets the bounty of Israel in the context of the story of God's blessings that God has given the nation of Israel. When you have your blessings, don't forget who it was that gave them to you. It's the message of that Deuteronomy reading. And so every year, follow this ritual that will help you physically remember by just engaging in this practice of of donating the first fruits that, that remember that you can give it away because God has already given you so much. There's your sermon, basic sermon, great sermon. It's where we're starting from. Now, gospel then takes it another place and says, don't get so focused on the physical blessings because there are also spiritual blessings that at some level are more important than the physical blessings. And it's that conversation that I want to engage in today in my own thinking. So when we talk about the relationship between the physical blessings and the spiritual blessings, from the perspective of a Christian spiritual practice, for me, the... um, the, the real focus of my, uh, my, my thoughts today is on paying attention, which is ironic if anybody knows how I pay attention. Squirrel. Um, so, so, but there, there is a disciplined approach to paying attention in the Christian spiritual life, which is the thing we can do something about. And this is my first point. One of the mistakes in the religious life is that it's It can be turned into an attempt to control factors that are outside of our control. And so one of the problems with the focus on the physical blessings is that when you are physically blessed, you can be thankful. But what happens when you're not particularly physically blessed? What happens when you are poor? What happens when you are suffering? What happens when things are not going your way? Um, What does that mean? Does that mean God has abandoned you? And so that that focus on the physical blessing works great when things are going great, but it can't stand up when things get more precarious or fraught. And so that's the first part about the the paying attention bit. So, So the mistake in the religious life is that if I only have these spiritual practices, then the blessings will come back. And so it's a way of trying to control the uncontrollable. Sometimes circumstances go your way, sometimes they don't. Um, and, the, and there is an instinctive desire in the religious life to say, if I just pray a little bit harder or have a little bit more faith, then the blessings will come back. And, and the, the most toxic expression of that is the prosperity gospel, which is that if you love Jesus and give me your kids RESP, then God will bless you tenfold financially. And nobody's ever lost money with that preaching. Um, But it is not from that place. It is from the other one. 
So, so the first point, of course, is that um, the, the, the gratitude practice of thanksgiving is not an attempt to manipulate the spiritual physics of the universe in order to bring blessings your way. It is rather that the, the act of training your attention changes who you are and changes your attitude to what you are already experiencing. And this is something that is just inherent to being human. It's, it's inherent to thought itself. So much of thought is just deciding how to pay attention. Um, I run across this all the time with folks that struggle with computer screens. They go to, it, it, someone says, just go to the website, the answer's there. And they go to the website and they go, what, where do I click, what do you do? There's all this stuff and I can't decide what's clickable and what's not. And a 12-year-old goes, oh, just look for the hamburger icon. There's no hamburger. This isn't Wendy's. No, it's the three lines that go like that that's tucked in the top right corner, maybe the top left corner. Sometimes it's put on the bottom. You just have to look for it. Who told me that? Right? But the 12-year-old goes to website. All this information is presented to them, and they just go, no, 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 irrelevant, irrelevant, relevant, relevant. There it is. So there's this whole language that has taught them what is relevant, what is irrelevant, and they can go quickly to the information that they need. We do this all the time. Um, those people, the same people that can't do that with a computer screen, can do that in their areas of expertise. Um, when they are building a deck, they go, oh, don't worry about that. That's fine. That piece of wood is fine. You know, that's a bad nail. You can tell right away. What do you mean you can tell right away? Sure, it's right there. Right? And so it's a selective way of paying attention. They don't have to spend a lot of mental energy on it because they've already learned what to ignore and what to pay attention to. We ignore things all the time. And you know about how you only smell a house when you walk through the door? Same thing. Walk through the door, all the information is presented to you. You go, oh, that has a smell. Ten minutes later, you can't smell a thing because you've acclimatized it. You've learned to ignore it. Now. We tend to ignore a lot of good things and hyper-focus on the bad things in our life. The things that are, and, and even worse, the things that are missing, the things that don't even exist but we wish did, right? So I have a lot of sympathy. I mean, um, I mean, if, if my toe hurts, it's hard to think of anything other than the, how much my toe is hurting. I mean, my, the rest of my body might be able to feel fine, but my toe hurts, and that's where my attention goes. I get that. When there's real pain and suffering involved, it's hard to pull your focus away from your actual suffering. Um, and you shouldn't deny it, you should address it. Um, but so much of our modern life is the thing that we don't have but wish we did. And the consumer approach is classic for that. We're in a whole culture that says, you haven't lived unless you've bought this thing. And then you see enough ads which are targeted at you and the things you like, um, and you go, you know, yeah, I really need that thing. I really, you know, I would be so much happier if I just had that thing. And then you get the thing, and five minutes later, it's just part of your life. And it's the next thing that you don't have that your attention has gone to, right? And what's happening is that your attention is being driven. You are being trapped in a cycle of an attention focus which is running your life and actually making you a not as good a person as you could be. So part of the spiritual discipline of Christianity is to learn how to pay attention. And this is the subject of thanksgiving. We can't control the vicissitudes of life, but we can control what we're paying attention to. And so we engage as Christians in a gratitude practice. 
Today is a gratitude practice. We come to church, we take an hour out of our life, and we say thank you to God for the blessings that we have. And so we don't take them for granted. We don't take for granted that we have this lovely, safe country to live in. We don't take for granted the incredible bounty of the land that we enjoy, the food, the relative wealth and security, our families that we get together and visit with, all that stuff. We take a moment and thank God for the, as the author of our blessings. And in so doing, we widen our focus from what isn't here to what is. And now, I'm going to read you the gospel according to Captain Kirk. <laughs> Some of you may have seen this, but um, uh, 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 what's his name? Kirk, the actor? William Shatner. Shatner. Bill Shatner. Went up in space recently because he's a celebrity and he got to go up in space. And so he did the full astronaut training and he went in space and he wrote a little article about it, which I read because Facebook knows that I like Captain Kirk. Um, and and it, it was like, here's my sermon for Sunday. Uh, so I'm going to read it to you. His experience once he got out of the Earth's atmosphere, and this is a guy that loves science fiction and is all about exploration and new horizons and possibilities and the the limitless potential of humankind. He's that guy. And here's what he says. It was among the strongest feelings of grief I ever encountered. The contrast between the vicious coldness of space and the warm nurturing of Earth below filled me with overwhelming sadness. Every day we are confronted with the knowledge of further destruction of Earth at our hands, the extinction of species, flora, fauna, things that took five billion years to evolve, and suddenly we will never see them again because of the interference of mankind. It filled me with dread. My trip to space was supposed to be a celebration. Instead, it felt like a funeral. And it's the perspective shift, right? And yeah, it's negative. It's about climate crisis and all that. That's true. But what, what, what happened to, what made him aware of the climate crisis was precisely how beautiful the earth was when compared with the emptiness of space. When you're in space, when, when the vacuum will kill you in an instant, and you're looking at this incredible bubble in the middle of all this, this vastness that is teeming with life and beauty, all of a sudden you see the whole project differently, right? And, and so, yeah, Shatner is overwhelmed with the climate crisis. That's fine. Um, but even when we are in the climate crisis, we have to keep that focus to the point is that it's beautiful and it's nurturing and it's wonderful. And if we lose that, then we are still trapped by our attention being dragged into the things that aren't here and are negative. So even as we engage with the vicissitudes of life that are negative, the struggles and the problems, the business of an attention practice continues to serve us, not because it magically takes away those problems, but because it changes us as we relate to those problems. So at the end of Deuteronomy, the reading for today, not, not the whole book, just today's reading, it finishes with, you're going to give thanks for all the goodness that God has given you as a child of Israel, and you're going to share that thanks with the Levite and the widow and the orphan among you. Because when you have gratitude in your heart, it's easy to share what you have with others. When you're focused on what you don't have, you can't share it because you might lose it. Right? And similarly with the climate crisis. When you're focused on all the things that aren't going right, it's, it's all doomed. It's, and and I, where do you even start? What's one person able to do? But when you start with gratitude in your heart, you can say, well, I can do one thing. And I love this, and I care about this, and I'm going to do something about this. And that's all I need to do. So 
So for me, the, the, the reflection about gratitude practice and thanksgiving and being a disciple of Jesus that is focused on goodness and truth and beauty in all that we do is to continually discipline myself, to widen that focus of attention, not declare all the things that I take for granted as irrelevant, but to focus on them regularly. Um, I mean, ideally, I should do this every minute of every day because every minute of every day is unfolding unbelievable blessings upon me if only I had the eyes to see it. So ultimately, I'm trying to train myself to be in this state all the time. I don't do it. So at, at a minimum, I say at certain times of the day, beginning, meals, end, um, and certain times of the week, I force myself to go through the motions of doing it so that I train myself to know what that's like and to build that into my everyday way of living in this world and relating to my brothers and sisters in it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen.